Amen, amen. Sweeter as the years go by. You know, we're at the start of another year, and we don't know what's going to happen. We never know what's going to happen, right? We start out, and we have all these hopes and these thoughts and these dreams, and uh, you never really know what's going to happen, but I do know this, that uh, no matter what, if Jesus is your Savior, the ending will be well. It'll be a sweet ending either way. Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 28. Jeremiah chapter 28, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a really unusual passage maybe to start out the year, but here we are. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 28. We oftentimes, you know, a year ends and another one begins. And Wednesday I preached on looking back and uh, really what we were looking at. And uh, really through the scope, Wednesday I talked about the scope of Abraham being God's friend. And uh, are we God's friends? You know, we, we do that. We, we assess the year. I hope you do. I hope you look over the last year and you look back at 2022 and uh, you look it over and you say, you know, this was good and this was great and the Lord was good here and uh, how great the Lord was to me. But then I also think you ought to look back and look at yourself and go, all right, what did I accomplish and what did I fail at? <laughs> uh, we don't like looking at that second half. We like our accomplishments. Amen. Uh, I know I like my accomplishments, but there are spaces to improve. All right. Everybody's got a room to improve, right? You and I are human beings. We're naturally, uh, we're naturally not that great. Uh, outside of Jesus Christ, we deserve to be in a lake of fire for all of eternity. Uh, we deserve to pay for the debt of our sins. We're not good people. Uh, we hope to be, uh, we strive to be, but mankind in his best state is altogether vanity. We're not so great. Uh, we're not worth some great price, but the Lord felt we were. And he gave a great price, the blood of his own son, to pay the debt of all of our sins. And we ought to strive to please him. And we ought to look at our lives, and I don't understand, you know, a, a, a company in general, uh, you know, general factory or a, a place, any place of business, they look over their last year. They look it over and they say, okay, where did we do well and where did we get our profits from and where did we have our losses and what can we do to change some things? It happens at every company. They look over their net profits and losses and how things work and where all those numbers come from. They look it over and what are they trying to do? Well, they're trying not to go out of, out of business. They want to fix the business model. Right? They look it over and they go, where can we gain? Uh, there's never a year that a businessman ends out the year and says, I, I made enough money this past year. We don't really need to do anything different. <laughs> you, ever, you ever hear a businessman really doing that? No, the businessman goes, hey, I can improve. Let's see what we can. Where can I make more? <laughs> where, where can I be better? Why is it that you don't do that in your own life for Jesus Christ? Why is it that you'll do that for the temporal things, but you won't do that for the spiritual things? And this morning, we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 28. Now, if you don't know the, what's going on in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah is uh, a great prophet of the Lord. Uh, and the king doesn't like, nobody likes him. Nobody likes Jeremiah, okay? A whole book, nobody likes Jeremiah, okay? Let's just go with that. Uh, that's the easiest way to describe that. Virtually nobody likes Jeremiah, uh, including a, another prophet that's here in the chapter named Hananiah. 
And Hananiah goes ahead and verse, we won't read all this, but verse number 10, he goes ahead and after Jeremiah makes the prophecy that they're going to go into bondage and so on and they're going to be there enslaved and so on, uh, Hananiah goes ahead and he takes the yoke from off of Jeremiah. He breaks it and tells them that they're going to cast off Nebuchadnezzar and they're going to do all these things. And uh, Jeremiah looks over. <laughs> verse number 15 Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah, the prophet, hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. He says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth this year. Thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Happy, happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. Let's <laughs> get start right there. I told you, unusual text. Uh, but the truth is, you say, well, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not making anybody trust a lie. I'm not leading a rebellion against the Lord. I'm not. Okay, I get that. Uh, and you could even say in this room, you could say, well, 2023 isn't the year I'm going to die. Anybody in here want to try and guarantee that? Well, no, none of us can guarantee that. And maybe you'll die and maybe you won't die. I don't know. Maybe the Lord will decide it's your time and your ticket's punched and you're going home. I, I don't know. Uh, it could be. This could be. 2023 could be the year trumpet sounds and we're done anyways. Uh, either way, uh, what, if, what if the Lord showed up to you this morning, January 1st, 2023, looked at you in the face and said, this is your last year on the planet Earth. This is it. You got no more time. This is it. Last year, right here. Would it change how you operate? Would it change some of the things that you do and the urgency you have with certain things? Would it change how you behave yourself day in and day out? Or is it just going to be like every other year? I find that when men get to the place where they realize that they're going to die some things change in their lives. You ever notice that? You ever notice how that people, uh, they get to the end, of the, they get to see that their end is coming and they decide they're going to change some things. A man who is unreligious and unrepentant, knowing the gospel, he may turn to the gospel because he finally realizes his mortality has come. A saved man, you know what he does? He suddenly gets spiritual. And decides that God actually matters. I need to make sure my family understands that God matters. The lost man comes to a Savior. The saved man goes to the Savior that he has neglected. Because he now realizes the urgency that he is going to one day stand in front of God Almighty. And he's going to give account for what he's been doing. Suddenly decides the family is more important than the job. Suddenly decides the church is more important than the job suddenly decides that being a witness and a testimony of Jesus Christ and cleaning up his act instead of doing what he's been doing for as long as he's been doing it. And finally, he's decided that maybe it ought to behoove him to go ahead and make some changes in his life and do things the way he knows he's supposed to do them. But now that he sees the end coming, it's going to be a last-ditch effort right here to try and fix all the things he's been doing wrong for so long. Why is it that we have to wait till we figure out that there's an end coming and judgment's coming, and we got to cram it in at the end. 
I'll tell you why. Because nobody thinks this year will be their last year. Why is it we always think we have more time? Why is it we always think, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to live to 110. Why do you think that? Hmm. Lord's only promised 70 to 80. And that's if he's merciful and gracious to you. He doesn't have to give you that. He can give you 70 to 80 seconds if he wanted to. And that's all you'd get. You're not deserving of anything more. Why is it the man always thinks, well, I got more time. You ever realize the lost man always thinks he has more time? Well, I'll do that later. Well, I know how to trust Christ, but I'm going to do that later. The saved man, I know I got to get right, but I'll do that later. Why? Why do you think everything's going to happen later? I'll tell you why, because you're presuming on the goodness of a holy God. Well, God hasn't brought judgment yet. Well, sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, so the hearts of the sons of men have firmly set in them to do evil continually. Why do you keep doing what you do? Because you see no urgency in changing what you do. Isn't it amazing when someone gets a near-death experience, they change certain things in their life, priorities suddenly become completely different. Well, then what if I were to tell you, this actually could be your last year on the planet. What if 2023 was it and God said, you're done? What would you have to change? Well, let's have a word of prayer. I'm going to look at some things I'd change. Maybe you wouldn't have to change any of these. I'm going to look at some things I'd change. So let's look, let's look at if this were my last year on earth. Father, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for just being a wonderful God to us, for giving us another breath, another chance to do something for our great Savior. And Lord, we pray that you would bless the hour, bless the moment. I pray you'd help me to say these things in the right way, in the right manner, in the right spirit, the right attitude. Everything would be done just the way you want it done this morning, that Jesus Christ would be praised and that you would help us, each person in this room and listening to this message would be able to hear clearly and understand exactly what you need them to understand today. Father, I pray that you would help me not to hinder any of that. And Lord, we pray that Jesus Christ, Lord, that you'd come back soon to take us home. We'd love to see you even today in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. And here he is, and Jeremiah says those words, and he says, hey, this year, you're dead. You're done. You're over with. And maybe that's going to be you. Maybe that's going to be me. Oh, Lord can't do that. He can do whatever he wants to. He's God. And if he'll bring him glory, he'll do it. It, it. He can do what he wants. Say, is it fair that certain people have gone home to be with the Lord this past year? I don't understand some of it. I don't understand why some people are still allowed to be breathing. And Lord takes home other people. I look, over, I look over, I think, good night. You take, you take good men of God that we have lost in this state alone over the last few years, and you leave those lousy people that I I'm not going to go over a list. That'll be bad, all right? You got your own list. Stick with yours. It's a great one, probably. Probably matches mine pretty well. But how can those people still be breathing, and God lets them breathe, but he takes home good men, good women? We don't understand that. We don't fathom that because it's not our timing. And we think, well, I got all the time in the world. You don't have all the time in the world. 
You might not have this week, let alone this year. You might not finish out today. Would it affect how you live? Turn over to Psalm chapter 1. I'm going to go to familiar spots, okay? I'm not going to go to weird spots, okay? I'd hate, I'd, hate to, I'd hate to make it difficult for you. All right? We're going to go, we're going to, go to seven verses. I'll probably quote more than seven, but we're going to go to seven verses. All right? I got seven points this morning. You stay with me. And it'll all work out, okay? So uh, don't be slow turning, okay? I'm, I did familiar ones just for that reason, okay? Uh, Psalm chapter 1, you know the spot. You could probably quote it. Some of you could quote this with me. Uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Say, what would you do better? I'd read my Bible better. I'd read better. So what do you mean by that? Uh, I'd, read, I'd read more consistently and I'd read more quantity. Well, I mean, I did what the Bible calendar thing told me. To, okay. Is that where the Lord wants you to be? If this is going to be your last year on the planet, don't you think you ought to know as much about your Savior as you could possibly get in before you go see Him? But we don't think our Bible reading is very important some days. Some days we go, well, you know, i got to do other things, so I'm going to put that off, and I can get that in whenever I feel like getting it in. And the Lord says, yeah, but what about time with me? Would you take your Bible a little bit more seriously if you knew that this was your last year on the planet and you were going to stand before him? And he says, uh, that book is the reason that's the thing I'm going to judge you by, all the words that I've given unto you. That word, that's going to be your judge. You might want to know what it says. I know what room I'm sitting in. I, I know what room we're in. Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church. We carry Bible reading calendars. We got a King James Bible. We have it with us. We know it. We talk about it. We hold it up as a great standard. But I bet there's some people in this room who've never read it from front to back. What if this was your last year and the Lord brought you up and said, Hey, I put you in a good church with a Bible that you knew was perfect, that you could go ahead and grab, and I gave you people around you to encourage you to read it. I gave you Bible reading calendars. I gave you everything you need to be able to just read it every day and spend some time with me, but still you didn't finish it once. Still you didn't finish it once. Wouldn't that be a shameful thing? You've been saved for the last five years and you haven't read the Bible once. Say five years? Bible reading calendars put you through the Bible once. Didn't even do that. Five years. Still couldn't get it done. Boy, if only I could read a little bit more. Well, I don't really like reading. Why do you keep using that excuse? That's an excuse. Wasn't that Moses' excuse? I'm not really good at talking. Still no excuse not to do what the Lord told you to do. There's no excuse not to do what he told you to do. He tells you over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Have you not read? Search the scriptures. Study to show thyself. How many verses do you need to tell you to read it? And to study it? And to meditate on it? And to think about the words that he's given? 
You know what I'd do? I'd think more about what God said about things. You know why you don't think about what God said? Because it doesn't matter to you. That's why I don't think about it. I put, I go, oh, I know, but I really don't want it that way, so I'm not going to think about what he told me. The verse comes to mind and you push it away. Why? Because you don't want to meditate on the way he told you to do things. Boy, it's quiet this morning. That's only number one, guys. Are we, are we okay? Maybe, maybe you did party a little later than I thought you did last night. <laughs> you made it, but we're dragging. Maybe you're just thinking, going, maybe I ought to up the ante. Maybe I just do, maybe I ought to read a little bit more too. Maybe, maybe I am getting just on that low end and I need to start pushing myself up a little higher. Say, well, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how much I should read and how much I should do. If I, if I go bigger than that, I don't have a system. Make your own system. Sit down and figure it out. Sit down and go, all right, that little bit that I was reading on that Bible reading calendar is good, but I could do better. How can I do better and what should I do? If I add a chapter to what that has, it's going to throw me all off on the calendar. So fix the calendar. Change the numbers. Print off your own little calendar. That's not difficult. You can grab a calendar offline and just be like, the dates are all there for you. I mean, you can print one that doesn't have any numbers on it. You can write your own in. And just write out the calendar real quick. And you can do the exact same thing you have in a little book. Oh, but that takes time. You know, it's funny. People will plan for their death, but they won't plan to read their Bible. Well, I got, I got to write out a will, and I got to get, I got to get uh, you know, my, my life insurance in order, and I got to make sure all these things are done, and I got to take care of all this. And my funeral arrangement. People have their entirety of their funeral and everything else all laid out, but uh, to figure out how to read a Bible in a year... They won't do. Look over at John chapter 14. Say, boy, we're starting off the year pretty rough here. Yep. Uh, maybe, maybe we just ought to be a little bit better this year. I know I want to be a little bit better this year. Uh, and not better by the world's standards. I don't care what the world thinks of me. Their success is pretty, pretty fleeting, and uh, they can compete for the greatness of whatever it is, but they really don't have anything. And you and I, you know what we have? We have a great God, and you ought to get to know Him better, and the only way you get to know Him is through the pages of a book. Say, so what do you want to do? Uh, more about Jesus, what I know, more of His grace to others show. More of His kingdom sure increase, more of His coming, Prince of Peace. More, more about Jesus. Sweeter as the years go by, yeah, only if you're getting to know them better. John chapter 14. Verse number 14. Say, boy, you don't seem like you're brainstorming real hard. This isn't a real, this isn't a deep message right here. We're, we're going right down the middle of the plate here. This is, this is, verse number 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Would you pray any different if it were your last year on the earth? What would you ask God for if you knew you didn't have any more time? 
isn't it funny? Uh, we know God can do the impossible, but we don't seem to ask Him for it. Well, I don't want to be selfish. Yeah, but about the time you're about to die, you know what you want to be? As selfish as possible. Lord, what can we get done now before I go? Lord, I know it's impossible for you to save my sister, save my brother, save my mother, save my dad, save my cousin, save my... But Lord, I don't got a lot of time. Could you give me some... The Lord says, yeah. Now you're praying with fervency. Why is our prayer life so unfervent and so boring? Why is there no urgency in our prayer life? Because we figure everybody's got time. What if this were your last year on the earth? Would you pray different? Is there somebody in your life you need to pray a little bit harder for? Is there something in your life you want moved out of your life that you ought to pray a little bit harder about? Is there some victory that the Lord hasn't given yet and you could ask Him and beg Him and plead Him to get? Because you know, your time is coming short. And maybe, just maybe, it could be today. Maybe it's that you don't have any urgency to see Him. And you aren't praying that he's coming. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maybe there's no fervency there because you wouldn't want to see him in the condition you're in. Because your prayer life's not what it ought to be. Would you, would you be willing to pray a little bit longer and a little bit harder? Would you actually take the time to make a list of everybody who's a member of the church? And pray for every one of them? Would you take the time to get a missionary list and pray for the missionaries? Would you go ahead and actually pray for the things you say you'd pray for? Would you come on a Wednesday night and take down the prayer requests and pray for those until you find out there's an answer? Would you pray or would you leave it off still? Well, I prayed at lunch and I prayed at dinner, so it must be good. I said my bedtime prayers. And the Lord said, pray without ceasing. And the Lord looked at you and he said, hey, uh, you know, you could, you could, you know, have the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availing much. But instead, I'll just keep doing what I do. It's a mundane, boring, sad prayer life. Because you have no fervency left. Because you think you got all the time. What if God said, this is your last year? What would you pray for now? What would you pray to happen? What would you pray to be fixed? What would you pray for for someone to get saved? What would you pray for for your own life? Well, that's impossible. Yeah, but the things with the, that are impossible with men are possible with God. Why, why wouldn't you ask God to do the impossible? Well, there's not enough time to get that. There is. He's the one who controls the clock. Well, there's, I mean, there's not even a chance. He likes it when there's no chance. It's a whole lot more amazing when God does it with no chance. But would you ask him? 
What would you ask God for if you knew you could just have it? He said, if you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. I know there's qualifiers. I know that you have to ask it in his will. And Boy, but couldn't you just ask him for anything? And go, Lord, I don't know how you could do this, but if you could do that, whew, that's what I'd want. Parents, what would you ask for your kids? Your last year here, you're going to step off into eternity. Your kids are going to get left behind. What would you ask for them? What would you ask God to do? Well, why haven't you asked him yet? Because there's no urgency. Your prayer life is hindered. Why? Because no urgency. My prayer life's hindered. Why? No urgency. We just figure we'll be all right. Got plenty of time. Look over Romans chapter 10. And you're getting emotional. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you. I don't. I don't like failing. I'm not really. I'm not really good at messing things up. I don't like it. I do it often. I'm good at doing it. I just don't. I just don't like it. And you get thinking about things, and you go, "Boy, I wish I would have." I wish I would have. And I know what I'm about to say, so that's my other problem. <laughs> I'm ahead of you in the message, so I got all of them in my head already. So you're only dealing with them one at a time, okay? I got all of them, all right? Romans chapter 10, he says in verse number, uh, we'll just go, we'll jump down to verse number 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How'd your soul winning be? If you knew this was your last year on the planet, who would you tell about Jesus? Who would you tell again that maybe you've been putting off because you feel like you made him too upset? Who would you go to and say, hey, uh, you know, you got an entire world out there. An entire world that needs a Savior. And most of them don't know. And the ones who do know may not understand that He came to save them. And that it's for them alone. And that they need to ask Him to save them. They've got a religion and they've got a church and they've got a background and they've got all these other things. But they don't know Jesus Christ will save them to the uttermost if they just ask. Well, they know Jesus died and he was born and he gave his life and he rose again the third day and he did all those things, but I have no clue why he did it. I just go to church. And they've never heard that Jesus Christ died for their sins according to the scriptures. They never understood that Jesus Christ paid the debt of their sins because nobody's ever told them. And that all it takes is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's all it takes. And they just don't know because they don't have a preacher to tell them. Who can you think of you'd be a better witness to this year 
if you knew it was your last year. How about you? If this was my last year, we'd be amping it up. You know the problem is? You have no urgency. You look at a world and you say, we got time. The place is falling apart. The doors and the wheels are coming off and we still look around and go, they got time. I still don't need to hurry up. We got time. And I know God is merciful and I know he is gracious and I understand that. But you know what he said to Haman or Hananiah? He said, hey, this year you're done. What if he said that to you? This year you're done. There are people that you can talk to that I'll never talk to. That maybe nobody else in this room will ever talk to. And you're the only person they have that will give them a gospel and tell them and you still won't? Maybe you would if you'd figure out this could be your last year. Maybe you'd have some urgency at the fact that they're going to burn a lake of fire for all of eternity. But instead we go, well, everybody's got time. You have no idea what they have. But instead you stay silent. And still, I'll finish preaching this morning, and you'll leave here, and some of you will stay silent. Because you still won't think it's urgent. Because you still go, well, I won't die. And you might be right. But maybe they will. Maybe they'll step off unto eternity not knowing the same gracious, loving, merciful Savior that you have. Because you decided you didn't want to tell them. Well, I don't like making people feel bad. You know, a doctor steps up and he tells you it's, it's not good. The buyer's got some news, it's not good. I want you to know, regardless of the news, it's still happening. Whether the doctors figured it out or not, she just knew something was wrong. While they were here, she knew something was wrong. Diagnosis unknown, just know something's not good. I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling right. I'm feeling terrible. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm trying these things. Nobody knows. Gets the diagnosis. She says, terrible news. Yeah, but at least they know. At least they know. Lost man carrying on in their sins and they don't even know. They don't even know. And they don't know and they don't know and they don't know and then next thing you know, lake of fire for all of eternity. Wouldn't it have been better to say, hey, you're a sinner and you need a savior. I got a savior. His name's Jesus. He'll save to the uttermost. Ask him. And at least give him a chance to get off the train wreck of a firestorm they're going into. But instead, you stay silent. Well, I don't want to offend them. Everybody's offended over everything. Now you might as well offend them over the truth. I mean, if you're going to offend them, you might as well offend them for a good reason. Let them know that there's a Savior that's come into the world. 
We'll go over at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to move along, maybe. It says in verse number 14, you know the spot, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty. Saith the Lord Almighty. You know what he says? He says we need to make some separations. This is going to be a very unpopular moment right here for me. Doesn't change it. People don't like this. There's people in your life you need to separate from. You need to get them out of your life. Oh, well, no, no, no. You've got to love the sinners and you got to, you don't have to have them that close. Why is it that you keep getting yoked up and you're entangled with them? And you're always stuck with all the things that they do and you've got to listen to them and you've got to deal with them and, you gotta, and they don't seem to care that they're a terrible human being around you. Now, I know you work, you work in the, I worked in a factory. I worked at, I worked construction. You want to talk about two of the worst places to work at? Work at a factory and work in construction. You want the language and you want the, the, the culture and you want the things that are just, all the things that are there and the, and the you know, the jokes and all that stuff. You say, were you perfect? No, I wasn't perfect. I get it. But I'm not perfect because I'm in a room full of people who are not perfect. And they're influencing me and I'm constantly influenced. And you say, well, what do you try to do? You try to limit the contact as much as you can. I get you have to work there. Work there. That's, I mean, you got to pay, right? <laughs> you got to pay your bills. You got to work. I'm not saying go out and quit your job because you can't be around any lost people. All right, that's, that, that's impractical. That makes you a hermit. And you get everything drop shipped from a helicopter overhead into your house. All right. And even then you're kind of questionable because that pilot might say something to you. All right. Uh, you can't you can't have any of that. I get that. You can't be you can't be completely isolated from the world. But you can do some things to insulate yourself from the influence it has on you. There's some things you can do to not welcome in what the world does and how it thinks and how it acts and what it's doing and why it's doing it. And there's people in your life right now, and I know some of it's family and others are friends and others are coworkers and others are school classmates and all these things. And you have all these people around you, but you start going friendship with the world and you become enmity with God. And you need to separate. And some of you are thinking of somebody right now that's in your life and you go, I know I need to separate. Okay, this were your last year on earth. Wouldn't it be better if you separated now? And put some distance there? And have a better year this year? Because if you separate it now, you'll have a better year. 
Well, yeah, but I really like them. I worked with a lot of people I liked. If I was, if I was a lost man, we'd have been friends all the time. We'd have hung out. I they were, we had the same things. They were, you know, they were baseball fan, football fan. They were this, they were that. And we'd hang out. And I could have I gone and hung out with them all the time. <laughs> all the time we could have gone and hung out. If I were lost. I went golfing with a guy from work. I'd do that. Dave knows him. Went golfing with him. He's a great golfer. We went. We talked golf. One of the things he knew was I was a Christian. And we didn't do. He didn't bring his beer on on the course with me. He drank. He did all that stuff. He didn't bring his he didn't bring anything with him. He knew I wouldn't appreciate it. He respected some of that stuff. You can have some of that stuff. I'm not telling you you have to separate entirely. The idea of, well, I gotta, I gotta just I isolate myself and be in this little cocoon and never see anybody who's who's lost and never well then you can't win them. Amen. I understand that, but you need to start making some some choices. Hey, I've witnessed that guy a thousand times, and he's still cussing at me. He's still doing this. He's still doing that. He's still trying to influence me to come back and party with him over there and to do all those things. And some of those things you need to go. No, I, I got to stop talking to this guy. I got to stop dealing with this person. Why? Because all they're doing, they've made their choice. That's not a question of I can win them. That's a question of they keep trying to pull me back into a world that I shouldn't be a part of. And every time I get with them, it's all about the good old days and when we used to. And you need to cut some of that stuff out of your life and go, hey, I need to separate because if this is my last year, it's going to hold me back from doing what God asked me to do. It's going to keep me. There's some sin in your life that you need to separate from. You need to finally realize, guess what? That's holding me back from serving God. And if a trumpet sounded today, you'd be ashamed it was in your life. But for some reason, you think that it's not your last year and I got time to repent. And the Lord says, it's your last year, buddy. If you want it fixed, get it fixed now. Put things in the right priority. Take your sin and throw it away and come and hang out with me and stop doing all the things you've been doing. Stop looking at what you're looking at. Stop going where you're going. Stop drinking what you're drinking. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop saying what you're saying. Stop thinking what you're thinking. And get it right. Because if you knew you were going to die, you know what? It's funny. Mankind realizes if I'm going to die, I better be right with my God. And suddenly they're like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've been doing this and I've been doing this and I've been doing this. But you're not sorry today. Why? Because the Lord hadn't turned the screws all the way down yet. You haven't paid enough yet for it. Lord looks at you and says, yeah, but what if it were your last year? What if you got the sentence Shiloh Byer got? Okay, now, what do you think really matters? The sin you keep playing around with? The things you do? Or to suddenly your relationship with your Savior become paramount. And he finally gets that in all things he might have the preeminence. Maybe your time wouldn't be spent the way that it's spent. Maybe you'd change some priorities and the separation from some of the things that pull you away in your time and in all those other pieces 
would be replaced with the things he wanted you to do in the first place. But instead, you just keep going and doing what you want to do. Look over Romans chapter 12. Say, whew. There's a lot right here. You make it sound like we're terrible. I know me, I'm pretty terrible. Maybe you're not, I already said, maybe you do this stuff better than I do. I'm feeling pretty terrible. I looked over last year and I thought, how many times do you have to fail before you figure it out? (laughs) And then I thought, Lord, I don't know why you're so merciful to me. Chapter 12 and verse number 1, you know the spot. You can quote it. (laughs) I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, If this were your last year, how would your service to your Savior change? Would it suddenly be that Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night seemed to be more important? Would it seem to you that springtime comes and we start going out street preaching, maybe you ought to be there on occasion? Maybe not every week, maybe you ought to be out there every once in a while. Visitation fire up and we go ahead and maybe you'd actually come out and have a witness to somebody. Maybe suddenly you'd make time in your schedule to come out to men's prayer or a ladies Bible study. or Maybe you'd make time to actually go ahead and do something and get involved somewhere. You say, well, I, I don't know what to do. We got a lot to do. April's coming. Brother Dave, I know. He's Brother Dave, Brother Kevin. They're going to they're gonna want some help. Work day, work day, work day. They, what, what do you mean? They, they get the grounds all cleaned up every Saturday in April this coming year, just like we did last year? Work days. So I can't come to all of those. Can you come to one? A couple hours? Just come out and do, do a few things, help out. Say, well, I can't come on Saturdays. Okay, uh, talk to me. Talk to these guys. You know what they'll do? They'll say, hey, you can't be there. Uh, don't worry. I got some stuff. I'll tell you exactly what we need. You can pop over whenever is good for you. So I can't do much. Can you pull weeds? Shovel some mulch, rake it around. Pick up sticks and move it out to the woods, toss it in. Get them out of the way. That doesn't seem like much. Seems like a lot to me. What are we doing? Just giving some time. No skilled labor, just doing a little work. Some of you know how to do some skilled labor. Hate to break it to you. Brother Bacon and I have been most of the skilled labor, and we aren't very skilled. Maybe you'd be willing to say, hey, you know what? I can devote 
I get devoted Thursday afternoon. Come over here. Brother Bacon will meet you over here. Somebody will meet you over here. Go, hey, yeah, we, we got to get this stuff done, and we'll just a couple guys work together and get a job done here and there. Ladies, I'm going to say these dreaded words. Nursery can always use help. It just, it can. It can't, you, you know why it always needs help? It always needs help because ladies get tired of dealing with everybody's kids. <laughs> they have their own, some of them. Some of them have somebody else's. Ladies, maybe just one service a month. Say, I'll, I'll be here and I'll, and I'll be here. <laughs> How about that? I'll actually be here and I'll go in. And I'll watch the kids just one service a month. That doesn't seem like a lot. It makes it so other people can have a break and come out here and sit in a service. Well, yeah, but I like sitting in the service. Okay. Then don't make a sacrifice so somebody else can too. Ladies, there are some people that you could just call and be a blessing to. And just call them and say, you know, I'm praying for you. I don't know. Do you need anything? Do you need some fellowship? Do you need to hang out? Do you need, do you need something? There's some people in the church that are going through things, and you, maybe you don't know. And that's okay. Not everybody knows everything. And it shouldn't be that way. Everybody shouldn't know everything. But you could say, hey, is there somebody I could be a blessing to? Is there somebody I can just call and maybe talk to for 20 minutes and just let them know somebody cares about them still? Somebody's still here? Somebody still remembers them. There's some people we could, we could go ahead and, and send a couple ladies out on a visit and go see them. You can come out to visitation. You can come out to street preaching. You know how nice it is to have the ladies come out to street preaching? Nobody wants to see us ugly dudes. We're saying it's much nicer. We, well, I, listen, Brother James is the only one everybody takes a track from. That's because he forces them to. All right? But if I preach... As soon as I can pass out a few tracks, then I start preaching. Nobody wants them ever again. Like, they're like, oh, I know. And you're that guy. And that's it. It's all over with for me. And uh, so it's not helpful. You know, ladies, you come, out, you come out to the street corner, you get out more tracks than we do guaranteed every time. That's not even a question mark. They just, they just, you look nicer. <laughs> you just, you look nicer, nicer generally. Some of you might not be, but uh, we won't go there. We won't go there. <laughs> I'll just stick with your nicer. Maybe there's some things you could do. Maybe you think about it this year and you go, you know, I can't make all of I'm not asking you to make all of them. But maybe there's something you could do every once in a while. And say, hey, I could be a help over there. Well, you know, I don't sing the best. Yeah, but you could be part of the choir. Brother Andrew works with people all the time to try and help them come up and, and elevate their music just a little bit more. You say, well, I'm, I'm not that great. I'm going to, I don't mean to harpoon our choir, all right? I don't mean this. I don't mean this in a bad way. Not one of the people in the choir is trying to be an outstanding soloist and go ahead and blast over everybody else. Their job is to blend. That's what they're doing. 
And when your voice mingles with theirs, and as long as you can stay close, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Nobody will even notice. Nobody will even notice. Say, so what do you do? You follow the person next to you who's been doing it longer. I went to, you can ask Brother Andrew. I got to hurry up. Um, but you can ask Brother Andrew. We went to Toledo the first time we went to the music conference they did, and they had the choir all together. Their choir, like the Hope Choir, is amazing. Like they're top notch, right? And uh, they are, they're, they're phenomenal. And we got in, and we're, you know, they did, the, they did the Saturday. We're all singing. And they're all new pieces to me and Andrew. I, I don't know if there was one that we knew before we walked in the room. And there's like six of them, seven of them. I don't know how many we did. We did a bunch of them. And uh, I'm a bass. He's a tenor. I can't even steal from Andrew, right? I'm nowhere near him. Right? He's sitting across the, across the, I'm like, Andrew can't even help me on this. I'm stuck. And thankfully, Brother Bob was there. He's a friend of mine I knew. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, yeah, just sit with me, man. We'll get this. And he's part of the Hope Choir. He sings amazing. And I sat next to him. You say, what did you do? I just followed him. I don't read music. You say, yeah, but you sing and, and you do with the wind. Yeah, I can read the signature and I can do this when I'm supposed to. That's about all I do. And I sing real loud. That's about it. Say, where are you getting at? You don't have to be amazing. And some things can be learned. You can learn how to follow somebody with your voice unless you're completely tone deaf, which is a possibility, so please don't join the choir. But, you know, if that's you, I didn't mean you. Take that, take that note, pass it behind you, all right? Pass that back. Nobody wants it, all right? But, I mean, if you want to be involved, you can be involved. There's things you can do. Uh, I, got asked, I got asked before, I said, I've had this plenty of times. Well, we got something going on almost every night of the week. I said, yeah. Keeps me out of trouble. You stay busy for the Lord, you know what you won't be? Busy for the devil. I just say, well, I I seem to be getting into trouble over here, and I I seem to, you know, not be able to think right and do that. Well, then go get involved. Get involved with some things. Maybe you could look around and say, hey, I could do that. I mean, anybody can do that. I can do that. Okay. Then get involved. Get involved. If this were your last year, would you just figure out, I can get involved? I could be a part of something as opposed to being the outsider, feeling like I'm on the outside looking in, when the truth is you're part of us. And you can work with us. And we can do all that together for the honor and glory of our Savior. Look over at Luke chapter 17. I'm winding down. Almost. Just two more spots. I preached almost an hour already, so don't look up at the clock, okay? I just did, and I... Um, so stay with me, only I, I promise I'll be slightly faster, all right? Uh, Luke 17. Verse number one, he says this. Then said he unto, his, unto the disciples, it is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee. Rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. 
If this were your last year on earth, what relationships would you fix? Some of you have been bitter and angry and upset with somebody. The bitterness is in there and you try and cover it up. You mow the That root of bitterness springs up and it troubles you and you just mow it back down and go, no, it's not there. Don't let anybody see it. The Lord says, I see it. I know what's in there. I know you're still bitter. I know you're still angry. I know you're still upset. I know you're still hurt. I know. But do you realize that one of the greatest tools the devil has is just the sin of unforgiveness? We stay unforgiving and it leaves you left in division. It leaves a church under division. It leaves people with a bitter spirit that come in and that bitterness stays and it stays and it infests. It doesn't stay with just one. That root of bitterness springs up, troubles you and thereby many be defiled. And every time it springs up, you defile a whole bunch of people and then you mow it back down as if it doesn't exist anymore. And the truth is you're bitter. And I don't know who you're bitter against. But maybe you're in here this morning and you'd say, you know, but you just don't know what they, doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter. I know it matters because it hurt. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean that as an unsensitive, terrible person. I just mean regardless of what the transgression was, it's not doing any good to be bitter. It's not doing you any good. It's not doing your Savior any good. It's not doing your family any good. It's not doing your friends any good. It's not doing the church any good. It's not doing anybody any good. And the, most, and the person who's getting hurt the most is you because you won't take out the infection and clean it up. You know, someone who's infected with, you know, they get stuck and they get tetanus or whatever and that pus starts building up and it starts building and festering. It gets to the place eventually where it has to be lanced, opened up and cleaned out because otherwise the infection will spread, it'll become a staph infection and it'll kill the individual. A minor infection doesn't stay minor if it doesn't get fixed. And some of you have some hurts and you have some pains and you have some things. And you know what the Lord's been trying to get you to do? He's trying to get down to the root of why you're so mad at everybody. Why your bitterness is still there. Why that root is still burning down inside there. He's trying to get down to the bottom and you go, it hurts, I don't want to think about it. The Lord says, I need you to hurt just for a moment. Because it's going to work a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory if I can get it out. And I know it hurts. I know it hurts to think about the things that were done. It hurts about the way they said it or the way they did it or what happened and who did and what they did. And you get thinking about it and you have to get down there and you have to think about it and you have to forgive. You have to forgive. <laughs> and you know what you have to do? You have to forgive again. And you have to forgive again. And you know what the devil will do? He'll bring it up again. And you know what you'll have to do? Forgive it again. And you'll go, I already forgave that. That's okay. That's all forgiven. I don't have to think about that. Why? Because the hurts will stay. 
until you can keep it clear so it can heal. And you keep cleaning it out, and you keep cleaning it out, and you keep cleaning it out, and making sure nothing else is getting in there, because if you let that bitterness slide back in, it'll cover back over again, and you'll be left with an infection that is still sitting in there, waiting to fester, waiting to burst back through and defile again. If this were your last year, is there somebody you'd get forgiveness with? Maybe you know you caused the pain. Woe unto him through offenses come. Offenses are inevitable. We all say something stupid eventually. We do something stupid. We accidentally do something. And woe to him that offenses may come. Why? Because you don't want to be the, the offender. <laughs> you don't want to be the one in the wrong. That's not good. You know you're in the wrong. You know what maybe you ought to do? You know what makes it easier for somebody to forgive you? When you bring it up before they do. Hey, I know I messed that up. I'm sorry about that. I've had people come up to me, people in this room, people not in this room. I've, I've had people come up and say, hey, I shouldn't have said that. I'm really sorry. I, and I had thought nothing of it. I wasn't upset. I wasn't bitter. I thought, you know, I, I thought highly enough of the person that I didn't think really, hey, not a big deal to me. We were joking around. I don't think you were being disrespectful. I don't think you were being rude. I don't think you were being mean. I don't even think you meant it. I thought you were joking with me. And they said, well, I, I was, but I didn't, I didn't want you to think. So what is that? Someone trying to make sure no offenses were there. They don't want the devil to be, in, and they want to make sure they're okay. Maybe you have somebody in your life, you don't know if you're okay. <laughs> Maybe you ought to check on that. All right, last one. Second Corinthians, if you would. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Last one. I'm done. I'm done in just a moment. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Verse number 2, he says this, For he saith, I have heard thee in, the time, in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Maybe you're in here today and none of that other stuff matters. You aren't saved. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never been born again. Never had your sins forgiven forever. I don't know if there's anybody in this room like that right now. But if there is, I want you to know, if this is your last year on earth, it doesn't matter if you read a Bible. It doesn't matter if you pray a prayer. It doesn't matter if you go ahead and cry out and do all these things. It doesn't matter if you separate from all the terrible things in your life. It doesn't matter if you try to serve God. It doesn't matter if you do any of those things. It only matters of what you've done with Jesus. The Bible says now. Now is the time. Now is the time for salvation. You don't have to wait for your sins to be forgiven. You don't have to wait for a judgment day to find out if it's taken care of. You don't have to wait to find out if your good works will outweigh your bad works. You don't have to wait to turn over a new leaf here at the beginning of the year and see how things go, if you can be a better person or not. You don't have to do any of those things. Instead, you know what you do? You recognize, I'm a sinner. I've been messing this thing up. And I don't deserve heaven. I deserve a lake of fire for all of eternity to burn for my sins because I owe God the wages of sin that is death for all of eternity. I 
I have to pay the debt of sin. And that price is a lake of fire. But Jesus Christ paid the debt of my sins. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Jesus Christ took the burden of all of our sins, the payment that needed to be made. He took it at Calvary and paid the price of our sins and if you would be willing to realize that you are a sinner and that Jesus Christ came to save you and you ask him to save you, all of your sins will be forgiven forever. His statement is, Thou shalt confess to thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'll tell you this, if this were your last year on the planet, you might want to make sure a Savior is yours. That your sins are forgiven forever. The Bible says these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible makes it very plain you can have salvation forever. And it's now. And I don't know why you'd put it off. Well, I got time. You might not have time. You might not have time. We know plenty of folks who have died far before we thought it would be their time. We know far too many that have li their lives have been taken, snatched away in their youth, and we said, they, that shouldn't happen. Why do you think you should be any different? If this were your last year on the planet, what would you change? If you're lost in here, I'd change my destination for all of eternity. I'd choose Jesus Christ. You know, it's funny. I'm going to have Brother Andrew come, the instrumentalist come. It's funny, you realize the Lord is a constant of, I want you to do it today. I want it now. Can we do it now? And the devil is a constant of, you can always do it tomorrow. You can do it tomorrow. I mean, why start Bible reading today? You can do it tomorrow. Well, why, why, why start praying right today? Why, why not start that tomorrow? I mean, uh, you know, why, why dedicate to doing anything for God today? You can do that tomorrow. I mean, you can put it off till April. He gave that example of the work days in April. Let's, let's put it off till April. Why do anything today? Because the Lord would ask you to be today. He tells the sinner, tomorrow you can trust me. Tomorrow trust Jesus. Go ahead, trust him tomorrow. But today. Because we all know tomorrow's never come. We're really good at putting off our tasks till tomorrow. And tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow never comes. Maybe this morning you'd be willing to say, hey, to step up my game. If this were my last year, I don't want it to end this way. I don't want to look back over at the end of 2023. If a trumpet were to sound, if, uh, if I were called home early, if I think that I wouldn't make it to the end, and I need to get this done right here. Would you be willing to come and say, I'll take care of that? I'll take care of that.
I want that sin out of my life. I need that person out of my life. I need to get this bitterness out of my heart. I need to take care of this now. Because I don't know if I have tomorrow. I don't know if I'll have this year. He may say this is your last. If he does, would you be ashamed when you got in front of him? If you're lost in here, would it be depart from me, you cursed in an everlasting fire? Would you be willing to say, hey, I need a savior. I'll take him now. Let's go ahead and stand. Our Heavenly Father, we pray. We pray you'd help us for our walk that would be well-pleasing. And Lord, I don't know if maybe somebody here has never trusted Christ. I pray you'd give them the courage to say, now is the time. I need to trust Jesus now. And they would come forward and let us open a Bible and show them how their sins can be forgiven forever. Lord, we love you and we pray you'd come back in Jesus' name. Amen.